BJ opened up our new series, Friendship, last week, and I was so excited because, man, I have been waiting to preach on prayer for a long time. So I'm excited about today and excited about talking to you about my journey with prayer, my journey with friendship with the Lord. You know, BJ opened it up last week because I think some people, like, Most of the church, I think, has this view of prayer that may not be just friendship with God, right? Like, when the Bible says pray without ceasing, like, maybe your understanding would be that we're supposed to be praying and interceding without ceasing and make it some, like, religious thing. But actually, he's like, hey, I just want to hang out with you. Like, I just want to have communion with you right? Like he just wants to be your friend. And BJ last week opened up with John 15, 14. And it says, you are my friends. Can you imagine the king of king calling you friend? Like, I know he's my father. I know he's my king. I know he died for for me. I know he's my savior, but he's my friend. He calls me friend. Like if you can get that into your heart, it'll change your life. He calls you friend. He wants to be your friend. He says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. You are my friends. Since I have told you everything the father has told me, that's a big statement right? He's sharing with us everything the Father revealed to Jesus. He's revealed to us. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Okay, here's the important part, so that my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So we're going to talk about that today. Jesus tells us, Jesus is saying this, that you can have whatever you ask in my name. And I'm actually going to back up one chapter John 14, 12, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works as I have done and even greater works. I'm going to pause really quick. This is not a part of my message, but I love this verse. And every time I hear it, it like blows my mind to think that Jesus is saying, I fed five, 10,000 people twice within the span of a few weeks with five, you know, fish and loaves of bread, but you're going to do greater than that. Like, is our thinking so small? (laughs) Do we believe what Jesus is saying? Like, I believe it. I haven't seen myself do that, but maybe I need to start. Like, Jesus is saying, not just heal the sick, raise the dead. He's saying, what I've done, you can do it too, if you believe it. Like, if we believe that's true, if we believe of what Jesus said. I mean, his disciples walked around seeing awesome miracles after he left because they have the Holy Spirit. Okay, that was a side note. Then it says, verse 13, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. He says that two chapters in a row to his disciples, two different times. He's trying to make a point here. Ask me anything. We're friends. Ask me anything right? So if you're seeing yourself and you're saying, well, I don't get anything I asked for, (laughs) that's what we're going to talk about today. Why is that? Because if we're not seeing what we asked for, if we're not getting that anything, does that mean the word isn't true? No. (laughs) It means that we have a misunderstanding of scripture. Like, I will say this every time I preach, if I have the opportunity, that God is never the variable in our situation. (laughs) He remains the same in and out of seasons. From beginning to end, God is the same. And his word 
doesn't change, right? So if there is something in scripture that we're not seeing come forth in our life, that's on me. And I love that because I can change me, right? I'm not trying to change God and I'm not trying to change his word, but I can change me. You know, and I think when we start to see ourselves as friends, that's when we can start to see this anything come. A lot of the church has gotten into a little bit of like religious tradition, okay? So if you think about my marriage, could you imagine that my married people in the room, every time you went on a date night, it's like, well, I have to be here. And I have to be here for an hour because it's my checkbox for the day. I mean, really, is that what we do? We show up to church and check off our box. We read our Bible and check off our box. We're not reading the word so that it transforms our life. We're reading the word to check off our box. And then we're praying. And I know people who have told me, you know, I wake up at 4 a.m. and I pray for three hours. That's great. Do that. But is it because you have to? Or is it because it's your time with the Lord? It's your communion. And then furthermore, could you imagine when I wake up in the morning and Will's like, hey, good morning. How are you? And I'm like, good, but I need this. I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this. And then I'm just throwing all these things at him that I need him to do for me. Like, our marriage isn't looking pretty good at that point, right? Like, I mean, yes. Do I ask my husband to do things? Do I ask my father in heaven to do things for me? Yeah, but this is saying, ask and you can have. You don't have to beg me for it. Like, I have a baby. She doesn't have to beg me to eat. Like, well, if you know my toddler, she would eat all day long. So... (laughs) (laughs) actually sometimes I do have to tell her no but she doesn't have to beg me to give her necessities to give her what I promised her and I've made provision for her I don't have to beg God right it says twice Jesus saying you can have anything you ask for and I have been um when you talk about prayer for so long I feel like I've been on such a journey in my life and um to get here I haven't always like felt the way I do now about prayer I used to work at this place for a few years and before I worked here and their motto was by prayer and man they took that seriously like we we had days of prayer where we would pray all day we had weeks once a year that we would dedicate to prayer we received text and emails throughout the day reminding us to pray and I got a little exhausted by it right like I thought, is this what it's supposed to be like? I don't know. And this is before I really had this revelation. And then I had someone there who was much, much older than me. And she had probably been in the ministry at that point 30 years, maybe longer. And she said, I'm going to be honest. I don't know what this is about, and I don't know what God does with our prayers. I just assume that I pray, and he figures out the rest. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And that's when I knew, like, I have to figure this out. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life thinking that I'm going to pray and then God deals with the rest. Like, if his word promises me anything, I want the anything. If his word tells me, if Jesus is saying, I've called you friend because I've shared what the Father has shared with me, I want that. Like, I don't want to have to wonder, I wonder what he's up there doing with my prayers. Like, actually, the word tells us. And so today, like, we're, I'm going to be talking about some stuff that I feel like maybe goes against a little bit of religious tradition, and I hope that you can open up your heart to hear. I'm going to line it up with the word, but it's sometimes hard to hear because people like get real defensive about their prayer life, and as you should. That's your intimate time with the Lord, but I'm going to show you in scripture of how we can pray in a better way that we can be seeing like fruit on it, 
you know, not just throwing our prayers up to God and saying like, okay, well, I hope you do something about that and leaving it alone or saying like, I've been praying about this for six years and haven't seen anything. Like, why is that? Let's figure that out today, right? Because I'm going to tell you, God does not care about our religious traditions. He doesn't. He did not create us to have religious tradition. Like, like I said, with my marriage with Will, like, it is not this religious tradition. That would be a horrible marriage if I just woke up in the morning and spouted out some things I needed from him and then said, well, we got to get on our hour for the day. And, like, you know, <laughs> Andrew Walmart tells a story that he, he did that in his own life, that he would wake up and spend two or three hours with the Lord. And finally, he said, <laughs> he was, like, looking at his clock, and it had been five minutes, and he said, God, I'm going to tell you because I already know, but I don't like this at all. I've been coming to dread this. And he said he heard the Lord say, me too. Right? Because he's going to him in this dread of like, oh, I have to do this thing. And it's like, no, you don't. Like, we, when it says pray without ceasing, there is no way we could all spend time all day long interceding and just asking God for stuff all day long. Like, what he means by that is like, I can't quantify how, many, how much I've talked to Will today. But I know it's most of the day. Like, we're always talking. I always know what's going on with them. That's what he's talking about, right? So if you are saying, like, my prayer life doesn't look like that, <laughs> how is your prayer life working for you? I want you to ask that question. Open up your heart to hear, like, what the Lord's saying today because I, like, believe he's inviting every person in this room into friendship with him. So God will give you anything you ask for as long as it has been provided through grace by Jesus. Okay, that's my first point. If you're taking notes, I know it's a lot, so I'm going to say it again, but God will give you anything. When Jesus said that, God will give you anything as long as it has been provided for through grace by Jesus. So what I mean by that is that when Jesus died on the cross, right, he did that one time, once and for all, you know? I think that sometimes we look at the cross as the answer for salvation, and let me tell you, it was, and if that was it, that was good enough for me. Like, that is all I ever needed was that Jesus saved me on the cross, but he didn't stop there. He took our anxiety, he took our lack, he took our disease, he took our pain, he gave us peace, he gave us joy, he gave us provision. That's what he did on the cross, right? So when we're praying and we're looking at Jesus and saying, like, give me this, give me this, like, God, give me peace. Man, I've heard people for years not change their personality because they're like, I'm waiting for, I've been praying that God would give me peace and I haven't gotten it. I'm like, he gave it to you, right? Because what that would mean is that we're asking, it's like, we use this example a lot, but if there was a bank or a storage somewhere with a million trillion dollars in it, it had my name written on it. I just have to figure out how to get to it, right? So like God gave us everything we need through Jesus because actually when we're asking him, God, give me this, give me this, give me this. I'm waiting for God, waiting for the Father. Maybe it's not his will. It's actually just saying what he did wasn't enough, right? What he did on the cross was enough because at the end of that, he said, it's finished. You know, Jesus didn't say, I came to abolish the law. He said, I came to fulfill it. 
He came to fulfill the law and to give us everything we would ever need because what he did was enough. And then he went back to heaven and he didn't get back to work. It says he went to heaven and sat down. He rested. He's in a resting position enjoying his work. You know, if you think about it, when he created the whole world, he did it one time, right? He created the earth, and then he gave everything a seed to recreate itself. He's not up in heaven creating more cows. He's not up in heaven creating more corn or whatever. He did it. He created it, and he said, okay, now I'm, I'm done. It's good, right? And that's how he kind of meant for it to be, and then we messed it up. But then when Jesus died, that's what he did. He literally finished the work, and he said, now I don't have to do it again. I'm done, right? And then when he died, in the Old Testament, we have a covenant that God made, right? And that's the old covenant, and it's good, and we don't, you know, the law is the law. That's good. But then Jesus died, and God made a covenant with Jesus. He made an unbreakable covenant with his son, you know, I had a friend tell me in high school, and this is way before I knew any of this, he just liked to fight all the time. And he said, do you think God could create a rock that he can't throw? Do you think God can sin and da-da-da? And I was so scared because people are always like, God can do anything he wants to. And actually, I'm going to disagree with that because he cannot and will not break his covenant with Jesus. So he made an unbreakable covenant with his son. And I know I'm saying this like trying to hammer this point home because if you understand that Jesus did it once and for all everything we needed we can start walking in peace we can start walking in provision if you're like well I need provision I don't have it I'm not seeing it it's like okay well let's figure out how to get there right we can walk in healing we don't have to spend our time praying and asking God, please do this for me. Please do this for me. Can you imagine? Like, he's like, I already did. Right? Stop asking me. And let me tell you, God loves you. If that's like, you're like, that's been my whole prayer life. Good. He loves you. He can use anything. Right? I'm not telling you you're doing it wrong. I'm saying maybe there's better. Right? Of how he's outlined it in the word. And, you know, I think that this might be a hard point to make, but I'm going to say it. Sometimes we have to see it as this, is that prayer can only get us so far, okay? And I love prayer, and I love worship, and I love what we just did. But we have to recognize that, like, if you don't know that the Word says that God provided you peace, then how are you going to get to it, right? You have to know the Word, so when you pray about something and you've been praying about it and praying about it and praying about it, sometimes it's good just to like wash your hands and be like, all right, I asked my friend Jesus for that. Now I'm going to get back to the word. I'm going to get back and digging myself and putting myself so far into the word to see what it has to say about my situation. Because let me tell you, there's four ways that God speaks to people. And the number one way is the word of God. If you're looking for a prophet to tell you, that's good, but man, look to the Word first. Everything you need is outlined in the Word of God. Yes, there's not every answer. He didn't hide someone's name that you're going to marry in the Bible for you to find one day. I understand. He does speak to you. I believe that, and I'm going to get to that. But the number 
one way to get to know your friend Jesus is through the word of God. We could get to a point that I believe I don't even have to pray about it, right? I don't even have to ask God anymore, God, give me peace, because I get to meditate on the fact that the word says he gave it to me, right? I mean, there's a lot that talks about love. There's a lot that talks about the fruits of the spirit. How many times have we sat around and meditated on that? The joy of the Lord is my strength. God, give me strength. He's like, I did. It's called the word. It's called my joy. Find my joy. You know, he's outlined it like that. We have a part to play in this. And that's actually my second point I want to get to. Sometimes our expectation of prayer is that we throw our request up to God and say, all right, it's in your court now, right? I'm good. You figure it out. And honestly, like, I want, to, I want to say this before I even get into this point. We are not, we cannot work for anything. We cannot work for our salvation. We cannot work for our grace. We cannot work for our healing. We can't work for our provision. We can't work, we're not works-based, okay? God does not bless us off our works. But I am saying that we, as people, have a part to play because God is not controlling us, Okay? He's not controlling us, and in fact, the people that think he is, I promise they don't want him to. <laughs> because if you're thinking God controls me, that is just bad. <laughs> like, thinking, it means that he's controlling us to do everything. God isn't going to overtake your body and all of a sudden you have peace. God isn't going to overtake your body and make you go and, you know, get a job so you can have provision. You have a choice to make, right? So when I say that we're not works-based, it's like this has been a free gift that we can't earn or work up or he's done the work. He did the biggest part of it, okay? Now we get to walk in a partnership with my friend Jesus on how to see my anything come to pass. So I'm going to turn, turn with me if you have your Bibles. Philippians 4. I did not know you were going to sing this song this morning. And Okay, it's good. Philippians 4. I'm going to start in 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Man, I didn't know they were going to sing that this morning, but when they started singing that rejoice, it's like something just, right? You felt, like, do you feel that? Like when I start singing out of my mouth, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always, it's like something just like lifts off of me. You know, that worship is good. When I talk about, I love prayer and I love worship. I'm just saying sometimes the, the word needs to be first in your life. Okay, verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So I'm going to spend the next three or four minutes just breaking down this verse. We've been doing this with our youth group because this is what I do in my own life. But I will take a chapter and read it so slow until I'm like seeing this verse. And I'm like, what does that word mean? What does this verse mean? If I'm reading about the disciples doing something, I try to like picture it in my mind. So just to give you a little context here, Paul, who is saying, rejoice, is writing from the walls of a jail cell, okay? 
He's not writing a book on 101 ways to escape prison like I would be doing. He's writing rejoice from a jail cell. And since we're all in this room right now, none of us have it like he does. Okay, so if he can rejoice from a jail cell, he's saying rejoice over your situation. Like if you want to know how to get out of your, you know, cruddy situation, this is going to tell you, number one, rejoice. And he makes his point again. I'm going to tell you again, rejoice. If it didn't work the first time, do it again. Right? Because when you start worshiping and rejoicing out to the Lord, your problem becomes like this small. Right? It's real hard to focus on the King of Kings and Jesus, and you start thinking about the cross. Man, if you've got a problem and you're like, man, thank you, Jesus, you already did it on the cross. You went to the cross for me. You took all my anxiety on the cross. You took all my depression on the cross. You took all my family's issues on the cross. You saved my family on the cross. Thank you. It's like, oh, I'm already out of it. I'm already out of my problem, right? And I'm not saying I'm perfect at this, that every time I have a problem, my first instinct is to rejoice, but man, I'm getting there. Like I said, I want to be on a journey that my first instinct, you know, Pastor Dean talks a lot about your first instinct is what's in your heart. And I am trying to get this in my heart that my first instinct when I have a problem is rejoice. You know what? Am I rejoicing about my problem? No, I'm rejoicing about the king who has the answer to my problem. I'm rejoicing about my friend Jesus. I'm rejoicing about the fact that it's already been done and paid for. The bill has been paid. It was paid on the cross. If you're like, there's no way out of my situation, I promise there is. He made a way. Okay, it says, let your, verse 5, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Here's another command from Jesus, or from Paul. Be anxious for nothing. I mean, I don't think it can be any more clear, right? You're like, well, it's not that easy. I understand what you're saying. I've been there. Like, I've had times in my life even more recently where I felt like some overwhelm. You know, you get in those seasons where it's like there's a lot going on. I'm feeling very overwhelmed, and you're not taking it to the Lord. And so I, like, finally decided I'm going to get along with the Lord. You know what he told me? Don't let your heart be troubled. You know? Don't let your heart be troubled. That's what he said. We get a choice in this. Is he going to come over and just take over my whole body and, and say, well, I'm, I'm going to not trouble your heart anymore? No, like I get to work that out in my own life with the help of the Holy Spirit, right? It says, Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a helper. I'm not leaving you with a doer to do all this for you. I'm leaving you with someone to help you, right? Be anxious for nothing, but in every, here we go, with, here's where the prayer comes in, okay? But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So we're entering into prayer with thanksgiving. You know, we should have like a little sandwich here. It's like thankfulness, we'll slide our request into God and then thank him again, right? Like prayer, <laughs> I got this from Andrew again. Prayer is not a time to inform poor misinformed God about our problems, like, he knows, and I'm not ashamed. Like, I, of course I tell God about my problems. I know he loves me. I want to talk to him about my problems. He has an answer, but I don't want my prayer life 
to be me spewing unbelief at God all the time about what he hasn't done and is not going to done and he hasn't done it for me yet. I want my prayer life to be gratefulness, thanksgiving. I'm not up here saying that I am the most grateful, thankful person you've ever met. I'm saying that this is what the word gives us. And this is like our prescription to peace. You know, it says be anxious for nothing. So first of all, don't be anxious. But if you are, rejoice, you'll get rid of that. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So what that means and looks like is a little bit less like, God, give me peace. I need peace in my life. I need peace in my household. It's like, thank you, Jesus. You provided all the peace I'll ever need on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you want my household to be a home of peace. So Holy Spirit, would you show me where are the unpeaceful places in my life that I can make things more peaceful? Will you show me how I can communicate to people so that things are peaceful in my life? Right? And then the peace of God will come. You know, BJ calls this verse our prescription, right? Our prescription for peace. Rejoice. Don't be anxious. Give thanksgiving. Tell God what you need. It's okay. I'm not up here saying don't ever tell God what you need. Tell him. And then thank him again. But this is my favorite part, and the Lord's been speaking to me about this this week. The peace will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The Lord has been showing me a lot this past week for me personally, but in his word, it talks a lot about your heart and your mind and guarding your heart and your mind. It talks a lot in Proverbs about it. it. tells a lot through the New Testament about it. We see it all through scripture. Why is that? Because the enemy attacks your mind, right? He comes at you with hopelessness. He comes at you with doubt and unbelief. He comes at you saying, oh my gosh, you're never going to get it together, right? That dream you have in your heart, that was you. That was not God. You don't want that. He comes at you with anxiety, and then we allow it to settle in our hearts. And that's why the word of God says over and over and over, guard your heart and your mind. We don't want these two things to line up in a bad way, okay? It's up to us, like, to have bad thoughts. That's not bad. I mean, it's not good, but it's the enemy coming at us. I'm not saying you're bad because you've had a bad thought. But I'm saying don't let it settle. Immediately say, that doesn't sound like God. It doesn't sound like me. It doesn't sound like God. So it must be the enemy, so I'm going to move on from that thought. We don't let those get into our heart because that's when we become very anxious, very overwhelmed, very people who are not full of joy. You know, I used to say it a lot. Um, I used to work at this place, and I worked with a lot of people who were just bummed out all the time. And I was like, why are you so bummed out all the time? Like, especially if you call yourself a believer, let's not be bummed out Christians, right? There's no way Jesus was walking around bummed out. Like, he had to be funny. He had to, like, be so, like, people were so attracted to him. Like, um, the way he talked, the way he carried himself, the smile on his face. You know, we used to have laughing Jesus back in the back of the room because Jesus had to have a good time. He had, people wanted to be around him. Like, they didn't have social media back then. So thousands of people would follow him around. Why? They were like, I want what he's got. He's got. Like, I heard that man heals people. I heard that man's about to feed all of us <laughs> with no food. You know, 
I want to be like that. I want how we don't how we get to a place of being more like Jesus is letting the thoughts in our mind reflect what the word of God says and then letting that settle in my heart. I want the word of God, you know, we used to sing about it when we were little, but I want the word of God to be hidden in my heart. And what that means is that before you, if you want to call it a battle or a attack from the enemy, right? Before that happens, I have a verse for that. I have a prescription for that. So when the enemy comes at me with hopelessness, I'm like, I have a hope in Jesus. It's already hidden in my word. When he comes at me with, you'll never have enough, I'm like, actually, I've been provided all things through Christ Jesus, what the word of God says, right? It's real hard to let that stuff settle when you've got just the word of God pouring out of your heart. Well, how do you get there? You got to study it. That's why we read our Bible. We don't read our Bible in the mornings or at night or whenever your time is with the Lord so that we can check off our box for the day and move on. We don't read our Bibles so that we can tell people we read our Bibles because it becomes a religious tradition. It might even be better for you to read less time than to just spend three hours of hating doing this thing. We read our Bibles so that we can understand what this is saying and hide it in my heart because the enemy's going to come. I mean, I don't really like to talk about him much. He has no power to me, but he's going to come and he's going to try something. So when he does, it's like, I don't care. I have this in my heart because I've been studying the word of God. Right? And, you know, I love what will, we have not even, I, you would think that I've told him my whole sermon, but I haven't. We had not really discussed this, and I love what he's saying this morning about dreaming bigger. You know, we used to have um, all up here, so take the limits off God. Me and Lisa really want to put it back up, so we'll see if that happens in the next few weeks. But we want to dream as big, as big, as big can be. If you're still um, drawing breath on this earth, God has more for you. Whatever that looks like, whether that be a dream in your heart to speak to 10,000 people, to preach, to write a book, to start a business, to start a family, that's a huge dream, and it's a beautiful one, right? God put that in your heart, and I want you to dream as big, as big, as big can be. But I also think that we need to look at it in a realistic way and what I mean by that, don't get discouraged, is that Jesus, God established in his word a natural order of things, right? Now, within that, we do see miracles, and I love miracles. When I see someone get miraculously healed, nothing is more exciting to me than that. When I look at the word and we see, you know, insane miracles, nothing is better to me than that, right? But actually, well, okay. This is better. What is better than that to me is walking in the blessing that Jesus provided for me on the cross so I don't need a miracle, right? Because Jesus said, I actually perform these miracles so that people will see me. So if you're a believer, you don't need that, right? We've already seen him. We have the word of God. We have the Holy Spirit. We don't need a miracle as believers. Sometimes we do, and that is okay. You know, but what I'm saying is I believe God's best for us is to not need a miracle and to walk in his blessing. So when I say be realistic, what I mean by that 
is that if you're like, I know I'm called to have start a business and make a ton of money and I'm going to bless the kingdom. I believe God put that in your heart, 100%. And that's my next point I'm about to make. But what I'm saying is that if, it do, if you pray about it and it doesn't happen tomorrow, that doesn't mean it wasn't God, right? It means that in Mark chapter 4, 28, Jesus gives us a parable and he says, for the earth yields crops by itself. I talked about this earlier. First the blade, then the head, and then the full grain in the head. What he's saying is that when corn sprouts, it doesn't come up from the ground and sprout. It, there's like a process to it. If, you know, you're, you have a garden at your home or you've seen things, they happen over time. That's how God made order. And the reason he did this is so that it wouldn't destroy us, honestly. Like, you know all the people that win the lottery, it normally destroys them because they have no knowledge of how to handle money, right? So when God says start a business, you don't say, okay, Lord, thank you. Now you do it. He says, okay, no, let's partner together, right? You get alone with your friend Jesus and say, what is my first step? I'm telling you, he is not going to, like, send you tomorrow on a plane to, you know, Zimbabwe to speak in front of 100,000 people. Like, if you want to speak, like, if you know anything about my story, like, if you would have told me five years ago I would be preaching, I would have laughed at you. I was the shyest person. My mom's here, and she can attest to that my whole life I was painfully shy. Like, when they first asked me to help with the youth group and they gave me a mic, I was like, oh, my like, I was sweating, please don't give me the mic. And now it's just like, I started small. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even have the dream in my heart to speak, really. But then I did. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to get there by doing nothing, right? Do you think that I woke up this morning and just had, like, this sermon in my head? No, I wrote it. I got along with the Lord. I got in his word and I wrote this. That's how things happen, Right, we don't just, that's the point I'm trying to make. We don't just pray and say, okay, now over to you. You know, I've actually spent some time Googling this week on why God doesn't answer our prayers because I wanted to see like what most of the world thought or what most of Christianity thinks. And it seems that there's either two ways is that either, yes, we pray and let God deal with the rest, let him sort it out. He's got his thing in heaven. I don't know how to explain it. Or the other reason seems to be yes, no, or wait, right? Well, this says I can have anything. Doesn't sound like a no to me. It says, like, you can have anything. I mean, as long as, like I said, if you're asking through the context of what Jesus has done, I mean, you can't ask for, like, someone else's spouse. That's bad. He's not giving you that. He didn't provide that on the cross, right? And sometimes the wait doesn't mean he's saying wait. It means like you need to do this and then it'll grow. You need to plant that seed, right? So when we're seeing things happen over time, and I'm telling you, like, there's been times in my own life that I know I heard God say, do this thing, and I just didn't do it. And that might have been laziness. It might have been busyness. Like, who all gets too busy and they just don't do a thing? There was like... Uh, several times in the past few weeks where I, the Lord told me, like, you need to text that person, and I just didn't, just busyness, right? And so if I'm not getting to where God told me I would be, it doesn't mean I don't hear from the Lord. I know I hear from the Lord. There is not a doubt in my mind. I'm, I'm there. I know I hear from the Lord. 
But if there's not something happening, it's not because God told me no. It's because Brittany didn't do it, right? I didn't do that work. I didn't ask God how to get me there. Or either I just like prayed and I guess I expected some magical miracle to happen. Or I remember in 2000 and I don't know when we got out of debt, uh, 2018. Anyways, when we got married, we wanted to get out of debt. And I remember at the end of 2018, I kept hearing in my mind, debt-free in 2018, debt-free in 2018. So I believe that was the Lord. And we got pretty far, but I, I don't know like where this lined up with my theology. No one taught me this, but I remember on New Year's Eve, I thought I really did. I thought I was going to wake up and it was just all going to be gone. I don't know. Like nobody taught me that. I don't know where that came from. I just thought, well, if I heard God say it, it's going to be a miracle, I guess. He's going to wipe out my debt. He's not doing that. That makes no sense at all. Like, honestly, he's not. And he's not writing checks and sending them to him in the mail. If he does, awesome. That's a miracle, and I bless you for that. But I'm saying I could have done more. We could have given up more. We could have sacrificed more. There was times that we could have taken jobs we didn't do. There was things we could have done to be debt-free in 2018. Do I call God a liar because it didn't happen? Do I say, well, I guess I heard him wrong? No. I say, I didn't do it. I didn't do the work that he called me to finish, right? And we did get out of debt, and it was awesome. I'm going to close with this. One more point. Our desires need to align with his, okay? We don't have to spend a ton of time being like, well, if it's God's will for me. What we need to be asking him is, what is your will for me, right? Like, let's not just pray something, throw it into the atmosphere and say, well, if it's his will, he's going to do it. It's like, I don't actually wonder at this stage in my life what God's will for me is because I know it. I ask him. And in fact, if I don't ask him, I know because it's a desire in my heart. You know, in um, 1 John 5, 14, it says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according, see, this is like the third time a pattern he's trying to make a point here if we ask anything to his will he hears us anything according to his will well how do we get to know his will psalm 37 4 says delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart i think every person in the room probably knows that verse what does delighting yourself look like spending time with him right getting along with the lord that might look totally different for you than it does for me right For me, I listen a lot. Sometimes it's hard in the morning because I don't want to fall asleep. That's okay if I do. I'll wake back up and he'll talk to me again. But I get up kind of early so I can do this and get this in before my baby wakes up. But I'm like, that's what that looks like for me. That's what it means to delight myself in the Lord. I have spent times, lots of them, spewing out all my issues to the Lord and just complaining and complaining and complaining. But man... My good time with the Lord, where I get to know him, where I get to know his will for my life, is when I'm just hanging out. I'm just listening. I'm just worshiping. Thank you, Jesus. Praying in the spirit. You know, listening, asking him. If you have a desire in your heart, like I just talked about, if you have a desire to start a business, if you have a desire to make a ton of money so that you can bless the kingdom, the enemy didn't put that in your heart. The Lord did. That's his desire for you. Man, God's not in heaven dangling a carrot. Like, oh man, 
I'm going to give them this thing they really want to do, and I'm not going to give them any way to get there. That's mean. God's not mean. He's in a good mood. Like I said, if you're drawing breath, he's got a plan for you, and he's got a bigger plan for you than you can even ask, think, or imagine. We have to dream about it. We have to get alone with him and say, what's your bigger plan for me? What do you want for me? And what can I do to get there? And how do I line that up with your word? Right? God has such good plans for you. Man, prayer is such a beautiful thing in the context of what the word says. And pray, listen, you can leave here and pray however you like. That is totally on you. I'm just saying if we want to see a lot of fruit from our time with the Lord, let's look at it this way. Let's look at first and foremost getting in the word and knowing what it says about me and my situation. Who the word says that I am. I don't want to look at myself in any other way than what the Lord and the word of God says about me. Second of all, we're going to do something, (laughs) right? We're going to do something about it. Make one step. And man, when I'm actually like in this groove of like hearing the Lord and getting alone with him and like making some steps for my life, it's like little things. It's not going to exhaust you, right? I mean, it's going to be work, right? I mean, we, we just taught, we just did a whole series on this, the promised land. When the Israelites, they had a miracle for 40 years. But when they got to the promised land, they had to start plowing away and working, right? It's going to be work, but I don't believe that God's best for you is to exhaust yourself and stay up till 3 a.m. plowing away at some business. No, he's going to give you steps and he's going to multiply it, right? He's going to say, do this thing and I'm going to multiply it and then I'm going to send the people and you're going to know exactly what to do and I'm going to open the doors. But I can't multiply nothing, right? And then the last thing is start to get along with the Lord and find the desires of his heart for you. First and foremost, if you don't know his will, look in the word. It's very clearly outlined. But then second of all, (laughs) those desires in your heart are from him. Don't let anyone tell you other than that. Man, one of my biggest goals is that I raise my children and my future children to believe that they can do anything they want to do. If you're like, I want to be the next David Beckham or whatever, who's like the cool soccer player. Will's laughing at me. (laughs) Austin and Will are like, please don't say that. He's not the one anymore. I don't know. Messy, Massey. I don't know. Anyways, (laughs) I want to be him. Do you think that you're going to wake up one day and just be this awesome soccer player and be on the field somewhere over in Europe? Probably not. Yes, God gives abilities to people, but you got to work that out. Man, these people on stage didn't get here by waking up by some supernatural miracle able to play the guitar and sing and drums. Didn't happen. That would be awesome if it did, but I like it better when I have to work for it. You're more proud of something when you work for it, right? It's worth something to you. I mean, I know Will. He takes guitar very seriously. They all do. They take what they do very seriously because they're like, I worked for this. The people in the room that own a business, they love it. I know these people. They worked for that, right? And, you know, in closing, there is just, I've said this a few times already, but there is just not a doubt in my mind that I hear from the Lord. I haven't always been this way. I 
at all. Like, it's probably been over the past few years that I've had this understanding, but maybe over the past decade that I've really worked myself. You don't, honestly, even with hearing from the Lord, you kind of have to work that out too. You really do. It takes sometimes years. And not because God's being mean. It just takes some time to like, okay, I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to figure out like, oh, the Lord wouldn't say that to me. That doesn't line up with his word, right? Like, this is, what, this is how God sounds to me. And you know how I did it, honestly, is by fasting. And we don't, you know, maybe I haven't, this may be a challenge, maybe not. Do, you know, do what you want to do. But if you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, I don't hear the Lord like that at all. Like, I hear the Lord tell me what to wear in the morning. I, I mean, I hear him all, I talk to him all day long. I've heard the Lord, and, and you might think that's silly, but I remember a specific time when I was a new mom and still kind of like stressed a little bit about everything, a little uptight. And I was coming into work for one of the few, first few times. I think we had a meeting, and I had put on like one of my nice new shirts. I was like, okay, I'm getting out of the house, and it was white. And I'm telling you, make fun of me, I don't care. I heard the Lord say to me, change. And I did, and I put on a black shirt. And when I got here, I spilled coffee all over myself. And, like, that's silly, but I'm just telling you, that's how I hear the Lord. I would have been so bummed out if I would have spilled coffee all over my new white shirt. Like, I would have been sad. I, I, don't, I don't ask him every day, like, what to wear. I'm just saying, like, sometimes I do hear the Lord that way. And I, it's taken me a decade to get here, and I want to go further. I want to hear him more than that. And the reason that, like, I've, I had someone tell me that was just crazy town that I said that, fine, believe that, but, like, Will cares, I ask him, like, do you like what I'm wearing? Like, if he cares, why does the God of the universe not care that says I'm your friend? He says I care. His word says that. His word said if I, if I care about the lilies, if I care about the sparrows, why wouldn't I care about you? But when I didn't hear from the Lord, I fasted. And, you know, I, a lot of people might think, like, fasting, we fast to move the hand of God. And that just can't be. You know why it can't be? It's because Jesus didn't need to move the hand of God. Right? Jesus fasted. And the reason he fasted for 40 days, he went with nothing, is because he knew I'm going into the desert, the enemy's going to tempt me, and I am going to be, I am going to be on it. I am going to be as close to the Father as I can be in this season because I am going to show the rest of the world how you can be tempted and say no. And what did Jesus do? He said the word of God back to the enemy, right? We don't, that's not why we fast. We fast because it's our only fleshly thing. The only thing that's stopping me, because one third of me is wall-to-wall Holy Spirit. So how do I get there? What's stopping me is my flesh, my body, this thing I live in, this thing that's been exposed to the world for 30 years, this thing that has bad thinking because of my mind. That's why we renew our mind. And you can fast whatever you want to, but I really think food is the way the Bible says. You know, I know some people fast like social media and do it like, I don't know, get a little detox or something, and that's good. But I really believe fasting food, man, if you're like, I want to hear from God, I need to know his will for my life, I need to get into a fast. Because when you deny your flesh, you start telling, because what I did personally was like five weeks of this or maybe six. I personally fasted everything. I drank water, and I did fruits and vegetables, and that's all I did. And, man, it was like this wall <laughs> like was totally taken down because I'm telling my flesh, you don't control me. Like what Will said about money, you're not my source. I'm telling my flesh, you're not my source. Hunger, you're not my source. Cravings, you're not my source. God is, and I'm going to get closer to him during this time because it's just spirit to spirit now. We're denying our flesh. I'm going to go ahead and invite the band up.
But, you know, we respond in a moment of worship. The band's going to play. But I just want to encourage you to do something during this time. You know, you might be believing for something. In fact, I feel like a lot of people in the room are. Maybe you're believing for a financial breakthrough. Maybe you're believing for a miracle and your help. Maybe you're believing for a wayward son or daughter. But I just encourage you when the band plays to just spend some time and ask the Lord, first of all, thank you, Jesus, that you have made a provision on the cross for me. That whatever my situation is, you have a way out of it. You have all the finances I'll ever need. You have all the joy I'll ever need. You have all the peace I'll ever need. So, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me during this time and help me know how to get there? What's your part and what's mine? Because God does play a part. I hope you didn't hear me say that he doesn't. He does. He, he blesses. There, but that's in his word. He's like, I will bless what you put your hand to. I will call men and women to give unto you. That's what the word says. He plays a part, but we got to do something first. Sometimes we might, you might, you, maybe you need to fast. Maybe that's what God's going to say next. Hey, give up some food. Do it for a while. Tell your flesh to back down, right? But I just encourage you during this time, if you're believing God for something, spend this time and just ask him. Talk to him. Just sit with him. Be quiet. Don't. Some of that's hard for some people. It's hard for me, man. I am a talker. It's hard. But I just sit there and I'm like, I'm not going to interrupt you because I know you have something way better to say to me than I've got, right? So Austin's going to sing and then I'll invite the prayer ministers back up.